June 14th. And now let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. We'll be looking into Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 43, where we'll see the conversion of Saul of Tarsus was a turning point in the church's history. And God used several people to touch his life. We remember Paul and are prone to forget the people who helped him get started. No man is an island. The witness of Stephen was significant, as were the testimonies and prayers of persons Saul persecuted. Ananias baptized him and encouraged him, and the disciples at Damascus saved his life. When the church in Jerusalem feared to welcome Saul into their fellowship, well, Barnabas, the son of encouragement, built the bridge. That's what encouragers do. They are bridge builders. Barnabas later enlisted Saul to serve in the Antioch church and traveled with him in evangelistic ministry among the Gentiles. Now, you may not be called to a prominent work as Saul was, but you can do the job God has called you to do and be an encouragement to others. We do not know the names of the brave men who smuggled Saul out of Damascus, but holding the ropes was indeed an important job. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. June 14th, Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 43. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They thought he was only pretending to be a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus. Barnabas also told them what the Lord had said to Saul and how he boldly preached in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Then the apostles accepted Saul, and after that he was constantly with them in Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they plotted to murder him. When the believers heard about it, however, they took him to Caesarea and sent him on to his hometown of Tarsus. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it grew in strength and numbers. The believers were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Peter traveled from place to place to visit the believers, and in his travels he came to the Lord's people in the town of Lydda. There he met a man named Aeneas, who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydda and Sharon turned to the Lord when they saw Aeneas walking around. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time she became ill and died. Her friends prepared her for burial and laid her in an upstairs room. But they had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, Please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room. The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other garments Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. 
When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he showed them that she was alive. The news raced through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon, a leather worker. Today we're reading in Psalm 132, verses 1 through 18. Some students believe that this psalm was written when the Jewish exiles returned to their land from Babylon. This theory explains why David is mentioned. It was a difficult time as the Jews tried to rebuild their temple, their city, and their nation, and their beloved King David had been involved in these endeavors. The returned exiles wanted God to remember His covenant with David and restore their land. David yearned to build the temple, but the Lord chose his son Solomon instead. However, David provided the plans for the temple and much of the wealth needed. Would God desert his people as they tried to rebuild the temple that meant so much to David? And then there's the throne. God promised that David's line would continue on the throne. But now Israel was without a king. In fact, there would be no king until Jesus came, and they would reject him. One day he will return and restore David's throne. And then there's the city. Jerusalem was in ruins, but it was the city of David and would not be forgotten by the Lord. He would dwell there, bless the people, and give them joy. He would restore power and light and make the city a testimony to the nations. Listen, when the going is tough, remember those feeble Jews who sacrificed to restore what sin had destroyed. They prepared the way for the Son of God, who came to their city and temple and gave His life for the sins of the world. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ would be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. You weren't running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. Little leaven leavens the whole month. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. When you recall the freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour one another, 
Watch out. You're not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Psalm 132, verses 1 through 18, a song for the ascent to Jerusalem. Lord, remember David and all that he suffered. He took an oath before the Lord. He vowed to the mighty one of Israel, I will not go home. I will not let myself rest. I will not let my eyes sleep nor close my eyelids in slumber until I find a place to build a house for the Lord a sanctuary for the Mighty One of Israel. We heard that the ark was in Ephrathah. Then we found it in the distant countryside of Jair. Let us go to the dwelling place of the Lord. Let us bow low before Him. Arise, O Lord, and enter your sanctuary, along with the ark, the symbol of your power. Your priests will be agents of salvation. May your loyal servants sing for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not reject the king you chose for your people. The Lord swore to David a promise he will never take back. I will place one of your descendants on your throne. If your descendants obey the terms of my covenant and follow the decrees that I teach them, then your royal line will never end. For the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. He has desired it as his home. This is my home where I will live forever, he said. I will live here, for this is the place I desired. I will make this city prosperous and satisfy its poor with food. I will make its priests the agents of salvation. Its godly people will sing for joy. Here I will increase the power of David. My anointed one will be a light for my people. 
I will clothe his enemies with shame, but he will be a glorious king. Proverbs 17, verse 6. Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged. Parents are the pride of their children.